kid. I like dropping bombs, but my dad, he doesn't like dropping bucks. So, I've been beating pitchers with discounts bats from closeatbats.com. Just tell Max and Roy that the Playball Kids sent you, and they'll take as good a care of you as they have me since I was in Little League. Mike, you ready? I'm ready, Sammy. Let's play ball. So let's start off real quick. Just what is your baseball background? Well, I mean, I have a pretty diverse background. I, I won't try to, you know, give you too much of it. But essentially, I started my career off as a physical therapist. And, you know, I was pretty fortunate to get to go work down at the American Sports Medicine Institute down in Birmingham, Alabama. And, you know, that's, that's pretty much the epicenter of baseball science in the, the 90s and 2000s with Dr. James Andrews and Dr. Glenn Fleissig and Kevin Wilk. I mean, there's it a real, real strong group of people that were really making a difference in baseball sports medicine. So I went down there. I got to learn from them. I got to work with them. And I had an amazing opportunity, um, you know, down the road to, to go work with the Boston Red Sox. And um, over my time there, I was there for seven seasons with the Red Sox. I kind of did everything from uh, from kind of rehab coordinator and worked all my way up to head athletic trainer and physical therapist with the Red Sox. So um, since then, um, we have a, a, a sport performance facility up in Boston called Champion PT and Performance, where you know we have you know, sports specific and really baseball specific uh, physical therapy, performance training, skill training big facility with lots of cages and skill coaches and, and fun stuff like that. And, um, you know, and I still, you know, consult with a lot of players and, and currently working with the Chicago White Sox a little bit now to kind of help rebuild their medical model as well. So um, I, I, I couldn't answer that any quicker or faster, Sammy. It's just, there's, there's too much to go over. <laughs> that was a, uh, that was pretty awesome. That... <laughs> uh, so first question here, while at Pitchapalooza about three years ago, which was my first time going uh, ever to Pitchapalooza, you gave uh, a speech about how to uh, get increase in your velo. Some, some of the major points that I picked up at least was every inch you grow, you get velo for your age. And of course, working out right after, by the way, this, the presentation that I heard, I went straight back to Austin where I live and started to work out. So that really helped. Uh, so can you kind of give me some of the details from that speech? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, and it's, man, it's, I can't tell you how humbling it is to hear like somebody like yourself, um, you know, takes your presentation like that to heart and actually goes and, you know, excels and achieves with it. Cause that's, that's really why we do, you know, all these things. So it's pretty awesome to hear that. But, you know, essentially what we try to tell people up here at Champion and what I, I gave in that presentation was there's four main buckets of enhancing performance as a baseball player. And this is probably as both a hitter and a pitcher, but, you know, I kind of slant it towards the pitcher, but you can certainly, certainly kind of, you know, you know, filter this any way you want. But essentially there's four main buckets. And the first one is age and maturity, right? And that's some things we talk about. Like you mentioned, you know, for every inch you grow and for every year you age, your velocity goes up almost 1.5 miles per hour. So by just getting a little older, you, you start to throw a little harder, right? But there's a big difference. You know, you, you have to throw to adapt your body to be able to handle more throwing down the road. So I kind of, I kind of always joke because I think the, the best velocity program you could buy as a kid while your growth plates are still open, so that's probably like, you know, the youth to early high school years, is simply just playing catch with your dad or your mom, you know, a few times a week all winter. Just play catch. 
that's really it. That's all you need to stimulate the bone to essentially have the adaptations to allow you to get into layback and to get your arm in that cocking position when you're throwing. So it's actually kind of that simple. But what we find is a lot of kids want to rush this step. And what they do is they want to go right to aggressive throwing when they haven't laid the foundation. So first and foremost is age and maturity. That's foundational bucket number one. Number two is strength and conditioning. And for baseball players, there are some specific things we do and we don't do, right? You don't do the same thing as, as a football player that you would as a baseball player. So we focus on things like linear and rotational power a little bit more and, and different exercises we avoid because they put stress on the thrower's arm. Um, so that's the second bucket. The third bucket is then arm care. And most kids have never heard of arm care, right? They've never even kind of done any exercises. But essentially, strength and conditioning works all your big muscles. Your arm care works all your small muscles. And the small muscles like your rotator cuff and your scapular muscles, those are what keep your ball and socket together. That's what keeps you strong and healthy. And over my career, I've seen this correlate more to performance and injury prevention more than anything else. You can be the strongest guy in the world, but you have a weak shoulder and you're probably going to get hurt and you're probably not pitching to your potential, right? Now, you could be a little weak, a little bit low on power, but having super strong rotator cuff and shoulder, and you're probably going to do pretty good still, but we could get better. But that's usually not the thing that limits you. Okay, so that's number three. And then four is actually throwing and stuff like long toss, weighted balls, pitching mechanics, and stuff like that. And the key that we kind of say here is if you go out of order and you don't kind of put all these things in place before you start getting to aggressive throwing programs, then you don't really understand the science of it, but you're also probably doing the things that are probably most stressful when your body's not ready for it. Because things like long toss and weighted balls, they, they may work to an extent, but they're also stressful. Right. So we always say maximize those four buckets. And for kids, we start off, we say age and maturity. You can't control that. So it just takes time. But don't rush. Right. Just because, you know, you're 14 years old and you're not throwing your potential doesn't mean it's not going to come. You don't want to rush it. Some people just develop a little later than others. So while you're there, work on your strength and conditioning, work on your arm care, your second and your third buckets and then get good sound mechanics before we start pushing the envelope and trying to gain velocity. You've got to go in that order. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, Follow-up question to that. Do you think, uh, or do you kind of have a reason why uh, younger kids that are throwing harder than their bodies can handle are more uh, prone to having arm injuries? Absolutely. The first thing we always tell the kids that come to see us because everybody comes to see us and they say, hey, why does my arm hurt, right? And they're looking for like this mystical, you know, answer, right? But there is one simple reason why your arm hurts, because you throw a baseball. So throwing a baseball is bad for you, right? Like once you, once you kind of get that out in the open, that everything kind of all makes sense. But what that means is it, it, it puts a lot of stress with a lot of force and a lot of speed on your arm. That's really not a natural movement. So once we accept that throwing is in and of itself stressful, then that's kind of why you end up getting these injuries. So now it comes down to overuse. And overuse is a big buzzword, right? Everybody likes to say pitch counts is the number one thing for overuse. But overuse is an equation, right? It's your volume plus your intensity, right? So that's why, you know, maybe I'm getting a little old with my references here, but for those that remember Tim Wakefield, he was a pitcher with the Boston Red Sox for years. He was a knuckleball pitcher. And literally his fastball was like an upper 60s, low 70s. 
right? And this guy was a major league baseball pitcher. He was so versatile. He would come in relief two days after a start. He would go like multiple days in the playoffs. He could pitch a ton, right? Now, Noah Syndergaard or somebody on the Mets, right? Everybody there is throwing 98, right? And every six to eight weeks, it seems like they keep getting hurt, right? So the difference between Noah, Noah Syndergaard and Tim Wakefield throwing 100 pitches are two completely different apples. And that's kind of, you know, the point we get across is it's volume plus intensity. The other thing with kids that's really tricky, and this part stinks, is that if you're going through a growth spurt, you seem to be a little bit more vulnerable. And you tend to kind of like hurt your arm a little bit easier. So your buddy could be going through a growth spurt in the off season and really not have a big deal. And then you're going through a growth spurt in the middle of the summer, right when you're trying to play travel ball, and your arm gets hurt. It's kind of just bad luck, bad timing. Right. So those are the two big things with the kids that we see is some kids just throw hard for their for their skeletal material or their age, especially if you're a tall kid. Right. If you're, you're pretty tall, you tend to put a little, little more force. It's just physics. Right. So, I mean, you know what I mean? It's just the, the bigger you are, the harder you're going to throw. And if your bones aren't ready for it, you might get hurt. So shouldn't um, most pitchers play catch all year or totally take a rest? Well, that's a good question, actually, because I don't, I don't know if we definitively know the answer, but I could tell you a few things. We know that baseball pitchers, that youth baseball pitchers, so youth in high school, that pitch for more than eight months out of the year, pitch though, not play catch, pitch, are five times more likely to get hurt. And five times, Sammy, is enormous. Like, don't take five as like a low number. That's 500%. Like, that's crazy. That's, so that's a really, really big big amount of, of an increase of injuries for the parents that are listening. If you can get a 500% return on your stocks this year, you, you, you'd be, you'd be a millionaire, right? So um, it's a huge, huge kind of, kind of increase. So that's pitching for more than eight months out of the year. We know that right now, here's the stuff that we're starting to learn though. When you start long tossing, essentially almost anything about 120 feet plus of long toss and anything with a weighted ball, both under and under and overload with a weighted ball, those stretches start to equal or, or even surpass pitching off the mound. So we're starting to see these kids that are doing these throwing programs all winter, and they think they're taking a break from pitching. But remember, your body doesn't know if you're pitching in a game or if you're throwing a weighted ball, if you're long tossing, or you're even just throwing like, a water balloon at your little sister. You know what I mean? Your body doesn't know. It just measures the stress on the body. So that's kind of what we're starting to see. Now, light catch, probably a good thing because it'll kind of stimulate your bones to adapt the way they should once your, your growth plates are still open, right? That's an important one. But you got to be careful that, that you understand that all throwing puts a certain amount of stress on the body. And just like anything else, you have to apply it, right? So the example we always say, and, and uh, you know, I, I won't keep going on this question too long, but like on this last one, the example that we tend to say here, we ask all the pitchers and we say, hey, would you throw a bullpen three times a week all winter? And they all say no. And I go, why? They're like, well, that's crazy. That's way too much pitching. You need a rest. And I'm like, great. Well, your long toss program and your weighted ball program is actually more stressful than pitching off the mound. So what are you going to do to change your workload now? So that's how you have to kind of put it all together. You have to periodize all these things in and out of your program in an appropriate way. So that way you don't overload your body. So uh, still on this topic, so what are some of the main exercises that people can do to, kind of, to avoid arm injury? 
Well, that's a ton. That's a big kind of question. The number one thing to, to avoid or minimize your chance of, of arm injuries is probably to monitor your workloads. So it's not a magic exercise, but it's to say, okay, I need to throw out my calendar year, figure out when I'm going to throw and how much I'm going to throw and those sorts of things, kind of like what we just talked about. That's number one. Number two from there, what we see with most kids is they have a hard time controlling their body and their arm. So a baseline strength and conditioning program, just where they even work on like agility, balance, coordination, some, some basic strength and all the main movement patterns is probably going to do wonders for a kid to be able to repeat his mechanics through his lower half and its core. Okay. But more, most importantly, it's probably your arm care program. And that's the basics, like the, you know, the shoulder program that like all the big leaguers still do here. It's, it's rotator cuff exercises, it's the scapular exercises, putting all those together. Um, those are kind of the, the foundational basic things that you can do. So our final question here is kind of just a fun question. If you can go to any restaurant and you can bring three people, what restaurant and what three people are you bringing? Oof, that's a double whammy of a question right there. Man, does it have to be a fancy restaurant? Any type of restaurant. All right, let's go Chipotle. Let's start easy, right? I, I want to roll the dice a little bit with food poisoning, but I, let's go Chipotle because everybody likes Chipotle, right? And then three people, yeah. I'm going to say one. One's going to be Sammy. <laughs> no, uh, man, I, let's, let's keep with the baseball theme. I think what I would want to do, I'd probably want to surround myself with some of the guys that, that, that were exceptional baseball pitchers without having to necessarily push the envelope and push past their physiology, just people that knew how to pitch. So I'd probably say I'd want to go to lunch at Chipotle with Greg Maddox, John Smoltz, and Tom Glavin. How about that? Some pretty good pitchers right there. <laughs> you know, and none of them threw 100. That's just I know it was a different era, but, you know, the point is here is those guys knew how, how to pitch. And, you know, the, the velocity age is fun, and there's definitely something to it. But – uh, we can't lose focus on the ability to pitch and, and just focus on velocity. Mike, thank you so much for playing ball. Thanks, Sammy. I really appreciate you having me. Good luck. Hey, it's Sammy here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would like to ask for your help. Tell me what questions you would like answered. If you could also take a moment to review the show. The algorithms are taking into account how many ratings and reviews I get. The more reviews, the more people they restore the podcast with. And don't forget to play ball, kid.